At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Welcome to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Looking uh, pretty intense there. I know. I, I'm a meat puppet. I didn't turn my microphone on. I get it. <laughs> Again? I told you. It's don't only the twelve times. It's only don't the twelve. Touch the buttons. <laughs> You're touching my buttons. <laughs> hey, welcome to Radio Free Canada. News and notes from the underground for Friday, September the third. Is this right, Lou? I'm reading uh, Alberta. Here we go. Alberta introducing no new. COVID-19 measures to combat the fourth wave. Now they're going back to uh, mandatory masks in indoor spaces, alcohol sales end at 10 p.m. Of course, because COVID is very smart. If you try to reach for a beer at 11, it'll reach out and grab you. Uh, The unvaccinated should limit limit their indoor social gatherings. Uh, They're going to pause the return to work plan. And uh, get this, they're going to offer a $100 incentive to uh, to get a vaccine dose. So here we go all over again in Alberta. Um, you know what Einstein said? Insanity, right? What's the definition? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Did you watch the uh, you speak French, Lou? Did you watch the debate last night? in French? I, I Richard, I actually um, just caught the highlights, if you will. There was like a compressed combination of I, and my major objective was to see how well 
Aaron O'Toole spoke French. He did quite well. But in the format, um, you know, Trudeau just kept, you know, speaking over him. Now, Trudeau's command of French is better than Aaron's, but Aaron's is good enough. Serviceable is uh, what I read it was described at. But, you know, if he was out and about in Quebec or France or any other country where French is the major language, he'd be fine. Right, right. Now, uh, my understanding, based on what I've read, is the debate basically came down to something like this. So the bloc leader, I think it was the bloc leader, Yves Blanchette, asked uh, Trudeau, you know, why are you calling an election in the midst of a pandemic and this whole Afghanistan debacle? And Trudeau's response was, I think everyone should get vaccinated. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's trying to make that the issue for this campaign. You know, I was listening uh, to some commentary about the anti-vax demonstrators. And I think that's a misnomer. I don't believe that the majority of people showing up at Trudeau's uh, uh, events are actually anti-vaxxers. I think some of them might be, but I would say the majority are disaffected Canadians. Right. Yeah. Like the the whole, you know, mandatory vaccine thing, that's like you know, maybe it's top five, but there are at least a hundred other issues. Well, why people are a little miffed at the uh, the crime minister, I'd say. Yeah. And, you know, they're using it. The liberals are using it for sympathy. Right. Oh, look how mean they are to, you know, uh, crime minister socks. Right. So I and, you know, I think that if they really want to work his nerve, you know, they should adopt a chant of bring out the vest, bring out the vest, bring out the vest. <laughs> Right. You know what I noticed? He, even in this hot weather, uh, he still wears that uh, that Var- Trudeau does this varsity jacket. Have you seen it? I think it's a roots jacket. Yeah, I'm not sure who made it, but I've seen it. And, uh, you know, people have uh, comment to me. What is he in high school? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's about right. You know, arrested de- uh, adolescent development, I would say arrested development. Um, now, I, I mentioned or I, f- I forgot to mention this over the last couple of days. But I actually talked about it on Coast to Coast AM. There was a, this is neither here nor there, but it's up there, actually. It was a um, somebody mistook a Mr. Peanut balloon that was uh, flying above Mississauga <laughs> for a UFO. <laughs> um, actually, you know, Planters Peanuts, uh, and I guess Mr. Peanut is kind of their mascot, right? Planters Peanuts is headquartered, I think, in either Mississauga or North York. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, you mean for the Canadian operations? or Yeah. Yeah. Not global, for sure. Well, I guess a Canadian operation. Yeah. So was this balloon in flight during the day at night? No. Like, uh, how, how, how do you miss? Uh, how do you, you know, like misidentify Mr. Peanut? Yeah, exactly. If your flying saucer is wearing a top hat and a monocle, <laughs> you know, that's probably a pretty good hint that it's not extraterrestrial. Now, you know, I don't want to make cast aspersions on our friends in the UFO community, uh, although it's important. You know, I think uh, planters, uh, peanuts, uh, their logo or sorry, their um, their slogan is um, uh, we know our nuts or something like that. <laughs> Well, you know, I think that, uh, you know, if if you can say anything, maybe the observer of the balloon and their uh, concern about its origins, they might have been rookies. You know what I mean? Like whenever you start a new activity, I don't care if it's tennis or what have you, you're going to misidentify this, that and the other thing. You're not going to understand all of the subtleties. 
you know, the difference between an unidentified flying object and a promotional balloon. Like, right. I, I don't know how they react <laughs> to the Goodyear blimp. You know, it'd be like, wow, it's right. an invasion, right? Yeah, this is maybe a new member of MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, and they're just a little anxious, a little, you know, they're eager. They're, they're keeners. Yeah, uh, they're look. looking for a sighting, right? Exactly. Anything. Hey, look, honey, a UFO. No, dear, that's a Shetland pony. Nice try. Anyway, Mr. Peanut. <laughs> anyway, uh, I wanted to uh, just give people a heads up on the program today. Uh, we've got another installment of Meet the Candidates, Lou. I know you're enjoying this. Yes. We're going we're gonna to meet another NDP candidate for this one from Mississauga Aaron Mills. Uh, Kaubak Usman uh, is running against another liberal incumbent, uh, Ikra Khalid. So that's always tough running against an incumbent. Um, I'm not sure how safe, safe a seat Mississauga Aaron Mills is, but uh, we'll speak with um, the NDP candidate there. Uh, also, uh, I think you'll enjoy this one, Lou. There's a group um, on Facebook and they they have something like 100,000 members. It just started. Many, many of them are businesses. In fact, it's called Ontario Businesses Against the Health Pass. And uh, obviously, again, the members of the, uh, the this group are opposed to the vaccine passport. And I'll speak with the founder and administrator of this group, Roxine West. Uh, now, listen to this. This is rather disturbing. Out in Alberta, where they do have a uh, they well, they don't have a vaccine passport yet, although now it looks like they're moving in that direction yet. Uh, anyway, um, a hospital out there is threatening to withdraw life saving surgery from a patient unless she gets the covid vaccine. This woman is in need of a lung transplant and they're going to kick her off the donor list if she doesn't get the, the uh, vax. So I'll speak with the uh, staff lawyer with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. She'll be here to share more details on that. That's just, you know, that's odious to me. That's like, you know, someone comes in in a car wreck and they're, they're asking in triage. All right. Which one of these uh, people w was not wearing a seatbelt? Uh, well, we're not operating you know, on them. Richard, you know, when you look at uh, degenerate alcoholics, I think you got to be sober for a year, if not two, before they'll consider you for a uh, transplant. Right. Well, they want to make sure that, that you're viable. I understand. I, I understand yeah. that. Uh, organ trans, you know, organs are in, in um, high demand, you know, and in low supply. So I can understand that. But, but uh, you know, saying that someone has to take this intervention, otherwise they kick them off the donor list. Well, well, anyway, we'll get details from the uh, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. And of course, it's uh, Friday when things are looking kind of low and gloomy. We can always count on. <laughs> we can always count on. <laughs> You're in hysterics there. We're going to uh, another visit from the Lim Riddler, Lou. I know you play along at home. You're, you're writing down the clues, trying to figure out the uh, the answer to the limb riddle. Well, so actually, riddle. I was, you know, laughing because I was anticipating the uh, the B or not the B because it yes. is Friday. Wait for it. Yes, that's yeah. coming up, too. Right. And I'm, so I remember last week, are we going to have like a uh, multiplayer interface on this uh, week's edition? Jacob, are you good for the B, not the B? Yeah, he's, he's giving in. me the thumbs up, right? And, and Brandon, Brandon, I'm not, I'm not sure where Brandon is, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, he'll be, uh, he'll be along, I'm sure. Yeah, he, and you now, did, are you, you like developing a B or not the B like trophy for the end of the season? There's a thought. There's a thought. <laughs> All right, maybe a, a but you know a, we got to start keeping some stats here, right? Well, before. you're like two and zero. Oh. You're two and zero oh since we instituted the panel, right? The the yeah. three of you. You're two and zero. Oh. You're doing very well. Yeah, a prize. What could we do? Um, maybe some bumblebee tuna, a year's supply of bumblebee tuna. How would that be? 
Wow, that's great because I love tuna, but you know, you'd have to stretch it out. They say not to eat that much tuna. Oh, what do they right? know? Like, well, I mean, you know, 365 cans. <laughs> Isn't that a year's supply? Or well, it, it may not can? be. Is it 52 cans? Like, what is it? What's well, the, well, uh... you know, the devil's in the details. We'll figure that out. <laughs> All right. Is uh, that like the devil's bench? <laughs> Or the devil's eggs. That's it. Uh, yes, we'll do German word of the day, too. Uh, Hurricane Ida, of course, did a number on uh, one of Shell Oil's facilities down there in the Gulf of Mexico. So we're all bracing ourselves for a uh, every long weekend, of course. It's uh, it's like the uh, swallows returning. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and overpolicing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. To Capistrano in the spring, it's always it's predictable. It's a long weekend. Uh, we'll see a, a hike in the price of gas, but uh, we'll see how that the damage that Hurricane Ida did to that facility down in the Gulf of Mexico uh, plays out. Dan McTeague will be here, president of uh, Canadian for Canadians for Affordable Energy. And staying with energy, we're going to revisit a conversation we had with uh, Greg Corzera, director of marketing and sales for Shale Crescent USA. This is the uh, oil and natural gas rich area in uh, down in the Ohio Valley, Pennsylvania, uh, West Virginia. And, um, you know, he's really trying to bring the world's attention to that. It's just such a rich vein to be mined. And uh, but of course, because there's some fracking involved, that's uh, uh, received kind of a black eye from the environmentalists. He'll talk about that and also about the supply chain and how we could actually address a lot of our air pollution air, um, and environmental issues by bringing manufacturing back to North America from Southeast Asia and China. It might sound counterintuitive, but uh, he'll explain how that will all work. All right, there you go. There's a show and a half, Lou. Yeah, I can't wait uh, for, uh, you know, the be or not the be, you know, for another, you know, a trip to the plate, see how I uh, perform against the youngins and see where that gets me. But I'll be back in an hour. Happy capitalism. Happy capitalism, brother. All right. When we come back, we'll meet Another candidate, the NDP candidate for Mississauga, Aaron Mills. That's straight ahead. Don't go away. We're back as the Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right. We are meeting the candidates here on the Richard Serrett Show. And uh, we don't have our candidate yet. Our, we're going to meet very shortly, hopefully, Kaukab Usman. Kaukab Usman is the NDP candidate for Mississauga Aaron Mills. And um, uh, the incumbent there is uh, Liberal MP Ikra Khalid. Always difficult uh, running against an incumbent. I'm not sure to what extent Mississauga Aaron Mills is considered a safe seat for the Liberals, but uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll get uh, Kukab Usman in here shortly. And just to kind of um, review some of the major 
policy platforms that the NDP have. Again, big ticket items here. They go big or they go home, I guess. Uh, You've got um, plans or they're calling for the NDP that is calling for a half million affordable housing units, 500,000 affordable housing units. And now the uh, according to the parliamentary budget officer, uh, the price tag on that, we'd be looking at about one hundred and sixty five billion dollars, one hundred and sixty five billion dollars uh, to uh, to build five hundred thousand affordable housing units. I'm not sure what the timeline on that would be. Uh, just to give you an idea, one hundred and sixty five billion dollars. That is almost half of the uh, the current annual federal budget. Uh, add to that the other big ticket item, of course, the NDP are offering up is. A, a guaranteed livable income, a guaranteed livable annual income. And that's going to cost anywhere between 30 to $71 billion, 30 to $70 billion. Add that to 165, you're up, uh, you know, two, 200, $230 billion. And then a, uh, a national pharmacare, a national pharmacare uh, system. There is another $10 billion. So all your drugs would be free. Of course, nothing is free. There's no free lunch, but $10 billion. So you add it all up and you're looking at, get this, about a quarter of a trillion dollars. A quarter of a trillion dollars. How do they intend to pay for that? Uh, well, they're proposing a wealth tax that would apply uh, only to Canadians with uh, over $10 million in net worth. That's a pretty small pool. So a wealth tax and if you tax them at even, uh, let's say, 1%, just 1% uh, of all the wealth above that threshold, uh, you know, it's not going to get you there. You're going to, let's say, a 1% wealth tax, you're going to get about $5.6 billion a year, a drop in the bucket, right? That's a drop in the bucket. Do we have our candidate yet, uh, Jacob? No, we don't. All right. Well, we'll wait a lot here patiently. Uh, how else do they plan on paying for these big ticket items? Uh, well, again, you know, it comes down to basically uh, tax the rich. So they want to um, add a 1% wealth tax. I mentioned that on those with more than $20 million in assets. That's, uh, again, going to kick in about $5.6 billion a year. Um, let's see, what else do they want to do? Oh, a 2% increase. Okay, they want a, a 2% increase in the top marginal tax rate. That's going to yield about $2.8 billion, $2.8 billion, $5.6 for the wealth tax. So you're about $8.5 billion. Oh, okay. Well, that's, you're still about $242 billion short uh, paying for the, uh, the expensive NDP platform promises. However, I mean, that's not the be-all and the end-all, of course, of the NDP platform. But those are the things that really jump out at me. 500,000 affordable housing units, national pharmacare, and a guaranteed annual income. Uh, Big ticket items. But there's some other things, you know, that they want to do. Some of them, I think, actually have uh, have some merit. Uh, They want to to, uh, ban unpaid internships. I think that's a good idea. I don't have a problem with that. It's not necessarily going to cost us anything. Uh, The other thing they want to do, they want to uh, expunge the criminal records of 
Canadians convicted of minor cannabis possession and protect consumers' right to repair their own electronic devices. That's kind of a strange one. Protect the right to repair their own electronic devices rather than be charged, um, you know, big prices by big tech, I guess. All right. So do we uh, no no sign of our candidate? All right. Well, I think I've sort of represented Kukab Usman uh, in her absence. NDP candidate for Mississauga, Aaron Mills, again, running against the incumbent liberal MP, Ikra Khalid. We have, do we have our candidate? Oh, wonderful. Kukab Usman, welcome to the program. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you for having me. Hi there. I'm sure you're out busy canvassing and campaigning and, uh, and we're, we're running out of time here. But um, I just wanted to quickly, uh, first of all, welcome you to the program and ask if you could, for those not familiar with Mississauga, Aaron Mills, could you just give us an idea about the boundaries of your riding or that riding? Yes, it is uh, almost like a square, which is touching different um, uh, borders, which is Dundas West and it is uh, Meadowell and uh, it has Britannia and a portion of Mississauga and Credit Valley. So, uh, I mean, I don't know how to explain it that well. No, no. I know that the outer, yeah, no, that <laughs> the gives us a good. <laughs> no, that's all we need to know. That's all we need. That's good, Kukab. Now, um, just about out of time here, unfortunately, because we got you on late. But if you could maybe make the case in uh, in a minute or two, you know, why we should vote for the NDP and, and not the Liberal, not the Liberals. You've, you're running up against uh, Liberal MP Ikra Khalid in that riding. Why should we vote NDP, right. not Liberal? I think, first of all, the, the timing of the election says a lot about uh, the whole game of having the public interest at heart because it is not public interest there was no need for this election uh, because it is only serving the agenda of one person and looking at the track record of liberals they've had clear cut majority in the first half uh, the 2015 election uh, or, or maybe I, I'm forgetting maybe 2019 but uh, what did they deliver I mean it was an absolute majority I was also supporting liberals at that time and I had great expectations from them but we don't see any of those things that are now being promised at the time of elections. So what uh, miracle would happen if they get the clear-cut majority this time? So the tra- they based on the track record and what we have seen, and then the very act of having elections, <coughs> excuse me, at this time, says a, <coughs> says a lot about that it is just the lip services always with the Liberals. All right, uh, Kukab, nicely done. You've uh, you've timed it out perfectly, uh, but we, uh, we 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 didn't get a lot of time with you, so maybe we can uh, reschedule you and get you on so you can get the full the full segment. Uh, we only had about two and a half minutes. Would you be good for that? I would love to actually. Okay. Yes, I All right. want to make a case for myself and just All right. My producer, Brandon, my producer, Brandon, will reach out to you and we'll get you on uh, so that we can get you on on time and then you can have more time to present your your policy position. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. I appreciate the little time that I had with you. Okay. Bye-bye. Kukab Usman is running as the NDP candidate for Mississauga, Aaron Mills. When we come back, this Facebook group I want to talk about, uh, this is Ontario Businesses Against the Health Pass. We'll speak with the founder and administrator. That's coming up next. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. Welcome back. There's a, a new group on Facebook that's gaining some serious traction, uh, up around 100,000 members, I think, and counting in just, um, well, maybe, what, 72 hours? And it's uh, a group of um, 
mainly a group of uh, small businesses that um, are philosophically opposed to the idea of a vaccine passport. Now they're banding together on Facebook and um, the uh, administrator and founder of this Facebook group called Ontario Businesses Against the Health Pass is here, Roxanne West. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Roxanne, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. You are the founder of this Facebook group, Ontario Businesses Against Health Pass. How did it come together? How did it come together? Honestly, um, I had a lot of friends from the West Coast invite me to the BC group version of, um, so it was BC Businesses Against the Health Pass, and I just saw just the power in numbers, all of these people coming together over, you know, a mutual belief, and I thought... I had been so quiet about my stance on mandating these passports that it was about time I said something. So I decided to start the Ontario group as well. And how many members so far? So far, honestly, we'd be a lot bigger than we were, which I feel would give people a lot more um, encouragement. We are about to hit 100,000. We are at 99,000 people right now. And in my request for members, it is 117,000. So when you say 117,000 members or 99,000 members, are those individuals each representing a business or, or are they just individuals who are supporting the cause? It's a mixture of both, honestly. We have thousands of businesses, personally owners, speaking about their business on behalf and saying they will not um, enforce this mandate and then you also have thousands and thousands of customers right potential customers and just people who are passionate um, passionately against discrimination and is there a list of these businesses that are saying that we will not enforce this passport how we've set it up is that when a business posts Um, when they make a post, they can actually put a hashtag for their location. We've made it that way so that it's easier for people to find things. So say you are from London, Ontario, you would click the hashtag London and all of the businesses that posted in the group will come up. So this is public then, uh, or do you need to subscribe? How does it work? How it works is that um, either someone will invite you or you can search Ontario Businesses Against Health Pass on Facebook and the group should come up unless you're being censored and you click to enter and we have some questions for members to answer and if they answer them, they can be approved into the group. We do a little bit of, um, not background checks, I guess you could say, but 
you know, we look into say like the profile photo of the person entering because we don't want anyone in this group that is bullying or hate speech um, or extremism on either level. You know, this group is not about telling people whether they should or not get the vaccine. It is not here to tell people to not or to wear masks or to go out and protest. This is simply a group where like-minded individuals, businesses particularly, can get together and share whether they are going to mandate, I mean, enforce this mandate or not, um, as well as customers that are looking for businesses that will not discriminate. If I might, I ask Roxanne, are, are you a business owner? I am actually, my business is online, um, but I'm still a business owner. <laughs> right, and so is there any concern uh, on the part of your members, the businesses in particular, that by sort of going public and on Facebook, that they might be placing themselves in some sort of legal jeopardy? I wouldn't say legal jeopardy because um, it hasn't been enforced as of yet, but there are, people are definitely worried about online bullying. I mean, we had a troll, what you could call it, quotation marks, in the group that started um, sharing in other groups that they would never give their business to any of these companies that were not enforcing it. Um, and there was a little bit of bullying. This person went on to um, leave a poor review on this business's, um, I think it's Google reviews, even though this person had never stepped foot in the store, which they said that. So, I mean, you are gonna have some backlash, but I think that's just the way this is gonna go. You know what I mean? You, you make a sacrifice for potentially dealing with that bullying when you speak out against what is going on. Right. And are these primarily small businesses or are there larger companies? Can you give me kind of a, a sense of who your members are? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm not going to list off the businesses, but we definitely have a variety of sizes. We have smaller restaurants. We have, we actually have some naturopaths in there and chiropractic offices. We have organic grocers in there, as well as some larger companies that are owners of big restaurants in Toronto. Um, like, we have some people in there that own four to five different restaurants. We have some people that own moving truck companies, farmers. Um, it's a, a really big mix and it's pretty inspiring Roxanne we're going to take a quick time out uh, just stay put we'll come back and discuss further okay okay Roxanne West is the founder and an administrator of the Facebook group Ontario Businesses Against the Health Pass back with more of the Richard Serrett Show in three minutes stay with us you're listening to the Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM Hey, Richard Serrett here, and I'm here with Dr. Cass Ingram, the author of 30 books on natural healing. Cass, you and I have known each other for more than 25 years. I think of you as Dr. Oregano, and I know you're wild about wild oregano and the oregano P73 juice, but it's different than the oregano oil. How? Hey, when I was in the mountains, the village chief said, look, we don't use oregano oil. We use the juice, and he pulls out these pop bottles he made in his backyard, and they're using it for heart disease, cancer, and bronchitis as well as diabetes and he's claiming it works well for 20 years i've been using it it does the job thanks cass oregano p73 juice from north american urban spice available at health food stores across the gta you can order online at oregano.com that's o-r-e-g-a-n-o-l 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 oregano juice from oregano.com 
Roxanne West stays with us. She's an administrator for a Facebook group called Ontario Businesses Against the Health Pass. She's also the founder. And again, what was the number of members so far that have signed up for this Facebook group? So far, we are at 99,000 members. And in my bank of member requests, we have 117,000 people. We've just been unable to keep up with the influx of member requests. And you get capped every day on how many people you can approve. So, I mean, we would be at 200,000 members at this point if we could go a little quicker. These businesses, are they just philosophically opposed to the passport or have they come out? Are they saying we will not enforce it? You have a mixture, again. You have some people that there are a lot of businesses who are scared, right? Scared to speak out um, until they're seeing all of these other businesses speak out. But, I mean, when things are enforced, that can change, you know what I mean? These are people's livelihoods. But people are saying they are very passionately against this mandate. Um, And I guess time will tell if this becomes enforced and if people will enforce it in their own businesses. There's a lot of divisiveness in the country right now regarding these health passes and health mandates, let's call them. And we had the prime minister recently. I know this is not a political group, but I just want to speak to the general (laughs) mood out there. We, you know, we had the Mm -hmm. prime minister sort of vilifying the unvaccinated. And what do you think of, you know, what's happening in this country? I honestly find it very emotionally heavy. Um, I'm very pro-choice, um, pro-body autonomy, and I believe that people should be allowed to make this decision for themselves, um, whether you are to get it or not. I think what the Prime Minister said is so wrong, um, even beyond politics, just to go on television and say what he did and segregate people even further is just beyond wrong to me. Um, I couldn't even believe it when I watched it, honestly. I thought, is this a movie, just a bad movie? My husband and I were surrounded by amazing family and friends who have completely different beliefs on this, and this has not affected our relationships, and we are so thankful for that because we've heard horror stories of families breaking apart, friendships falling because of these differences of, of opinions. But at the end of the day, whether people are getting this, um, you know, vaccine or not, you know, we can all coexist and mandates are scary. This is scary. This is just the beginning of what can be, you know, a domino effect of the government adding even more mandates that people are uncomfortable with. Um, And the divide is honestly scary. I find it very scary and very sad. What kind of comments are you receiving on the Facebook page? 90% of them are positive. I mean, people are very emotional. I'm getting thousands of private messages a day of businesses who are just so scared because, you know, they don't want to, they don't even want to be put in this position to be asking people their medical privacy. You know, it makes them very uncomfortable. They think it's wrong. Um, They're very angry and very sad after an already difficult year for businesses. I I have thousands of messages from people who have had the vaccine and they're angry because they do not like the divide that is happening from these potential mandates. So you have people from all different belief systems, all different religions, all different ways of life. Like some are business owners, some are not, some are parents and some are not and have all been affected differently by this pandemic. And they all who have messaged me thus far feel the same way about these mandates. They are passionately against them. Um, and I've maybe had three or five negative messages. You know, for the most part, it's been very positive and encouraging and people just feel inspired. They don't feel alone anymore in their beliefs. 
So once again, uh, Roxanne, how do people access this Facebook group, Ontario Businesses Against the Health Pass? Most um, of the people entering the group right now have been invited by friends or family. Um, Or you can search for the group on Facebook. It is Ontario Businesses Against Health Pass right now. And again, how can people, you know, make use of this? Again, there's a list of businesses and and by location, right? Yes. So this group is focused on businesses. It is not for debating whether or not to get this vaccine. It is not to argue with people about masks or share Instagram videos that people are making or politics. This is solely about sharing a business. So you have to be the business owner if you are going to speak about your business. We've been very strict on that. So if you own a small business and you are against these mandates, you share your business and people are saying, you know, I am so-and-so, I own so-and-so business. We will not discriminate medically. And so if I'm in York region, uh, not a business owner, just uh, a customer, a potential customer, if I'm in York region, let's say, and I want to find a list of businesses in York region that are against the health pass, it's easy to navigate and find? We are slowly trying to make it even more user-friendly, but at this point, you could type in the York region hashtag, and all of the businesses that have posted and put that hashtag in their post should come up for you. We are also compiling a Google Docs form of all of the businesses that have shared their stance thus far. Um, And we actually have a lot of people wanting to help out to potentially set up a website too with a directory. So it's been crazy, the flood, like the influx of people wanting to help out and provinces are banding together. So I mean, you have the BC group that is over 100,000 members and we've been trying to work closely with them to make it a countrywide countrywide story directory for people to you know hop on and find the businesses where they are that will support medical freedom roxanne thank you so much for your time i appreciate what you're doing thank you i appreciate your time as well roxanne west is an administrator and founder of the facebook group ontario businesses against the health pass when we come back a double transplant patient threatened with withdrawal of life-saving surgery unless she gets the COVID shot. This disturbing story in three minutes. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The University of Alberta Hospital has threatened to take a terminally ill 56-year-old woman off of a donor list for a lung transplant because she has chosen not to receive the new COVID-19 vaccine. Alison Pajovich is a staff lawyer with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. She's here with that story. Alison, welcome. Thank you, Richard. This is disturbing, to say the least. Um, So what can you tell us uh, about the patient that I haven't mentioned already? Well, you said that she's 56 years old. Uh, She was exposed to asbestos. Uh, earlier in her life and has been suffering with this condition called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis for the past couple of years. It is a terminal condition. She's only got 40% left of her lung capacity. She needs an oxygen machine to breathe. And she went through a rigorous uh, process to get on the donor list, the recipient list for two lungs. And she was approved uh, to get a transplant. She's sitting currently number two near the top So she's next in line, um, second in line for a transplant. And the uh, hospital lung transplant program, uh, they required her to get all of her childhood vaccinations, which she agreed to do. 
She's not an anti-vaxxer. And recently they told her that she would not be able to get her transplant without getting the new COVID-19 vaccine. And Ms. Lewis does not want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. She's uh, scared because it's experimental. It's still undergoing clinical trials and there's no long-term safety data. She conveyed those concerns to the lung transplant team and was advised that she would be taken off the donor list if she didn't comply and get the COVID-19 vaccinations. So she's been going back and forth with this group of doctors trying to convince them to keep her on the list and give her the transplant, but they are refusing to do so. So she came to us to see if there's anything that we could do. And as you said, I'm a staff lawyer at the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms. We have written these doctors a letter uh, yesterday uh, asking them to remove that requirement within the next seven days. So uh, we have a video, an audio recording of those doctors telling Ms. Lewis that right. uh, in full understanding that if she doesn't get the COVID-19 vaccination, she'll be off the list. And Ms. Lewis confirmed on the recording, you know what will happen to me if I don't get the transplant. And the response from the doctors was yes. In other words, she, in other words, she will, she, yeah, she'll die if she doesn't get the transplant. She's going to die. They're going to let her die if she doesn't want to be part of this experiment. And I use the word experiment because the COVID-19 vaccines, unlike other vaccines in Canada, which have been around a long time and which she's gotten, is under interim authorization. It doesn't have full market approval in Canada. The clinical trials are ongoing until 2023. So there's no long-term safety data, and she's afraid. She doesn't know what's going to happen to her if she gets the vaccine, what will happen to her later on. And that's that's the choice that she's made. She's willing to take the risk, get the transplant without getting the vaccine. And they have said no, and they know she's going to die. Now, the, the hospital, the University of Alberta Hospital in Edmonton, are they the only hospital in Alberta that, that performs these transplants? I don't have that information. Um, it's interesting, you know, uh, that that she has this. She's in need of a lung transplant because she was exposed to asbestos, which uh, I believe at one point must have been approved, you know, for for use by a government agency. Uh, so, and it's kind of ironic now that 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 through no fault of her own, she's exposed to asbestos. She gets sick. She needs a new lung, and now the, the you know the government is saying you can't have. Uh, a new lung to save your life because you won't take our vaccine. It just, it, it's, well, it's, it's coercive to say the least and unethical. Is it legal? Well, we would say no, it's illegal, certainly unlawful from the point of view of the charter and the charter applies to actions by hospitals in Canada. And so, you know, we may take this further. We may take it to a court and, and our argument is that this violates her section seven constitutional right uh, to life, liberty, and security of the person. As I said, if she doesn't get this transplant, she's going to lose her life. I don't know if you know how many others are are in a similar situation on that list waiting for a life-saving transplant and will be essentially, uh, in many cases, coerced into taking a vaccine. Do you know how many there are on the, on the list? We don't know, but there were a couple of articles coming out of the United States that I've seen just within the last few weeks where this has happened to other patients um, which who required other 
um, organ transplants. But I do not have any other information as that would be private for a Canadian, um, for anyone else on that list. I just don't know. So um, I know this is happening elsewhere. Right, right. I'm sure it is. So uh, they have seven days to reply. If uh, if they if they reply in the negative, what is the next step? Well, we're going to be looking at uh, possibly bringing an injunction in Alberta to uh, ask the court to uh, force the doctors to remove that requirement and keep her on the list so that when it's her turn, and as I said, she's second from the top, that she will get that transplant. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll watch this with interest. This is uh, very disturbing, very disturbing indeed. Alison Pajovich, staff lawyer with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Take care. First, we filled your mind. Now, let's twist it. This is <laughs> the Lim Riddler. It's Friday. That means a visit from our good buddy, the Lim Riddler. Happy Friday. Hey, Richard. Happy Friday to you and happy uh, Labor Day weekend. Wow. Where did the summer go? No kidding. All right. Lim Riddler, explain very quickly how Lim Riddles work. Well, of course, we're looking for one word. There are four clues in the in the Lim Riddle to, to help you identify it. Uh, they seem to identify different things, but that's because the word has different meanings. The best way to solve these, of course, is to read along with me. In order to do that, uh, you should go to limriddles.com and just go to the homepage. And while you're there, subscribe so you'll get it every week in the future. That's right. It goes right to your email inbox. And once you hear the Lim Riddle, make sure to submit your answer to info at Lim limriddles.com info at limriddles.com and put 960 in the subject line that way we know you heard it on the richard sarah show here on saga 960 all right this week's limb riddle this is called ham and jam and i'll read it twice here it goes like this vast open land the clover and oak statehood that passionate patriots stoke home of smoked ham and ma's homemade jam Born of the Blues, blending old time with folk. Wow, nicely played, Lim Riddler. Nicely played. All right, let's hear that one one more time. One more. Ham and Jam. Vast open land of the clover and oak. Statehood that passionate patriots stoke. Home of smoked ham and Ma's homemade jam. Born of the Blues, blending old time with folk. That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. All right, folks, submit your answers to. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. 
info at limriddles.com, info at limriddles.com. And if you want to read it, go to limriddles.com. Be sure to be listening just before the news at six when I reveal the answer to this week's Lim Riddle and announce the names of the winners. All right, Lim Riddler, you have a delicious weekend and we'll talk again next week. You too. Happy Labor Day. Bye for now. Bye for now. Solve this puzzle, The Lim Riddler, every Friday at 4.50 on The Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM. All right, hour two of The Richard Serrett Show awaits. Of course, we'll uh, play a little B, the B or not the B with uh, Lou, Jacob and Brandon, the German word of the day. Dan McTeague from the uh, Canadian Canadians for Affordable Energy will be here to talk about uh, an expected gas price hike this long weekend due to Hurricane Ida and some uh, damage to a Shell oil facility down in the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, then we'll uh, check in with Greg Cozera. Greg is the Director of Marketing and Sales for Shale Crescent USA. He'll talk about um, how things down in Ohio, the Ohio Valley, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Western Virginia, it should really be a boom town given how much natural gas and uh, oil they're sitting on down there, uh, which can be extracted through fracking. And uh, we'll also talk about supply chains and how we need to bring all of our manufacturing back to North America from uh, China, in particular, Southeast Asia, and how this will have, in fact, a very positive effect on the environment. That's all part of Hour 2 awaits coming up in about three minutes. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. The Richard Serrett Show continues on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. And we are inching towards a, a long holiday weekend. Just a reminder, uh, I will not be here on Monday. Uh, well, my voice will be out there in the ether. We'll, uh, we'll bring you... A, um, a best of the Richard Serrett Show presentation on uh, the holiday Monday. Uh, coming up this hour, uh, Dan McTeague, the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, will be here. Shell Oil, one of their facilities down in the Gulf of Mexico, took a big hit um, during um, Hurricane Ida. And also one of the major uh, ports down there as well was uh, damaged. So this, no doubt, will cause some uh, disruption in uh, oil supply. And, and I'm sure it'll have a ripple effect. And, of course, right on cue, we'll see a uh, probably a major uptick in the price of gasoline this long holiday weekend. Uh, and also... Greg Cozera, speaking or, or keeping with the EF energy theme, he's director of marketing and sales for Shale Crescent USA. He'll be with us this hour as well to talk about uh, shale, how it's extracted. Yes, fracking. Why that's not a bad thing. You know, he'll uh, he'll attempt to, uh, I guess, rehabilitate uh, the reputation of fracking. And uh, also um, why we need to really reconsider our supply lines. If we've learned nothing from COVID, that's certainly one of the takeaways is that we need to bring a lot of our manufacturing back to North America. And that has a positive impact on the environment, although that may seem counterintuitive. uh, He'll explain that as well. All right. Uh, Time to get uh, our good buddy Lou back in here and Jacob and Brandon time for a little, the B or not the B. Babylon B, 
satirical news site uh, on social media, The B Satirical News, uh, and its twin social media site, not The B, which are stories which seem like satire or parodies, but in fact, they're real news items. And so... Lou, Jacob, and Brandon, their uh, their task is to see if they can tell the difference between satirical stories, the B, or actual news items, not the B. The B or not the B. Gentlemen, welcome all. How are you? Fantastic. All right. Brandon, are you on mic there, buddy? You're on yeah, mute. Ready there he go. is. There's Brandon. And Jacob, are you good to go? I'm, I'm ready. I, I have all a pretty right. bad track record in these, so I'm looking to... Uh, to make some history today. So. You, oh, go. make some history. Okay. Well, Lou is our reigning champion. Lou is our reigning. Let's look, look at his uh, his dollar total for the last uh, several weeks. It's zero. <laughs> it's zero. I'm going for the tuna. Are you going? Yes. We thought about maybe instituting a uh, um, a year's supply of bumblebee tuna for that. Maybe we can get a sponsor, uh, or what else? Uh, we could get some uh, some local unpasteurized honey. Maybe that might work. Oh. You You're go. a fan of uh, unpasteurized honey? I like honey, you know, pasteurized or otherwise. All right, here we go. Okay, gentlemen, the bee or not, we should have buzzers, right? Bees buzz, but we don't have buzzers. We don't have a budget. We'll get some buzzers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nicely played, sir. The bee or not the bee. All right. Uh, this is um, a liberal feels sad for a man dying of COVID, then happy after hearing he wasn't vaccinated, then sad again because he was an illegal immigrant. Dateline Grand, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, local compassionate progressive Carter Brindley is recovering from an emotional roller coaster today after initially feeling sad for someone dying of COVID, then feeling a perverse thrill after finding out the victim hadn't been responsible enough to get vaccinated and then sad again after realizing he was an illegal immigrant who had snuck across the border. So liberal feels sad for man dying of COVID, then happy after hearing he wasn't vaccinated, then sad again because he was an illegal immigrant. Is that the B or not the B? Let's start with you, Lou. Uh, I'm going to say it's the B. It's the B. It's satirical. Too many emotions. Too many. It's a roller coaster. Uh, let's go over to Brandon. Brandon, the B or not the B? Not the B. Not the B? Did yeah, you say yeah, not yeah. the B? Okay, yeah. so it's a real story. And uh, over to you, Jacob. Is it the B, satirical, or not the B, a real news, site, news item? I'm with Lou on this one. I think it's the B. It is the B, the Babylon B. It's a, a satirical news story. All right, so <laughs> high fives all around for Lou and Jacob. You're up one uh, and uh, a, a goose egg for Brandon. That's all right. Plenty of time to catch up. Here we go. Now, is this the B or not the B? The New York Times has unfurled a giant banner honoring Chairman Mao, Mao Zedong, the former uh, leader of communist China, Chairman Mao. The New York Times unfurled a giant 50-foot wide banner honoring brave revolutionary Chairman Mao Zedong outside its New York offices on Monday. Uh, this is to bring hope and inspiration to Americans everywhere. After public outcry, the, the New York Times admitted this may have been slightly inappropriate. Uh, while we stand by our decision to honor one of history's great men, we admit the banner lacked important historical, con in historical context, said one Times editor. While his ideas were morally right, they factually killed a bunch of people, and that's not something we wanted to promote. 
unless killing yourself to combat climate change, end quote. There you go. New York Times unfurls a giant banner honoring Chairman Mao. All right, Lou, the B or not the B? Yeah, I'll say the B. Babylon B, a satirical news story. And uh, over to you, Brandon. And the B. You're saying it's also uh, the Babylon B satirical news story. Jacob. Yeah, I'll, ma- I'll make it a clean sweep. That's the B. You're all correct. It is the Babylon B. Thank goodness. <laughs> I w- even the New York Times apparently have uh, some standards, <laughs> some standards. Uh, but apparently, yeah, then they, they, they took it down and they replaced it with one of Stalin. <laughs> Uh, so we will follow that one. So it is. It's a satirical story. So let's see. Lou has two. Uh, Brandon has one and Jacob has zero. No, no. Sorry. You've got Jacob. You've got one. You have two. I got one. Me and Lou have gone with the same uh, same answers both times. Ah, OK. So you out of a win here, Richard. Come on. <laughs> It's the big game show scandal. Uh, <laughs> where's Ray Fines when I need him? What was that? What was that movie called? The uh, the game show uh, scandal, Lou? Do you remember? I'm trying to remember now. Keep going. We'll, it'll right. come up. All right. Uh, let's see. I've, I've totally lost score. How many do you have, Brandon? Hold up your number of fingers. You've got one. Lou's got two. And Jacob, you've got two. Okay. All Here for we go. Can of tuna. Holy cow. <laughs> Who knew? (laughs) Here we go. The B or not the B. San Francisco is now literally paying people to not shoot each other. A new program in San Francisco will pay people at high risk of shooting someone not to pull the trigger to help alleviate rising gun violence in the city. The Dream Keeper Fellowship is set to launch in October and pay 10 individuals $300 each a month not to be involved in shootings. Participants will be paired with life coaches from the city's street violence intervention program and will be considered community ambassadors who work to prevent violence. They'll work on their professional, personal and community development and will be thought of as partners in engaging community members and decreasing violence. Again, San Francisco now paying people to not shoot each other. Is this the B, a satirical story or not the B, an actual news item? Lou. I'm going to go with not the B. It sounds like crazy San Francisco thinking. So not the B, an actual news story. And uh, Brandon, over to you. Uh, not the B. You're also saying it's an actual news story. And uh, finally, Jacob. I'm, I'll go with the B. I don't think it's real. I'll go with the B. Oh, it's a, it's an actual news story. It's not the B. It's not the B. So Lou, three. Uh, Brandon, you've got two. And uh, Jacob, you've got two, right? So it's three, two, and two. All right. I think we have time for one more. Uh, Dateline, Washington, D.C. Press Secretary Jen Psaki lauded the uh, Biden administration for not abandoning a record 331 million Americans in Afghanistan, according to sources, an unprecedented 331,128,473 Americans are living safely in America and are not abandoned in Afghanistan. Uh, This number is 91,000 higher than last week's number as approximately 91,000 babies were born in America this week. Uh, What the president has accomplished, she said, is simply unparalleled. Wiping a tear from her eye, it's like the Berlin airlift and Dunkirk had a beautiful love child, and that was (laughs) this evacuation. We think we got about 96% of Americans out 
which is an A plus homework material. And, and on top of it all, we turned our homework in early. Boom. Eat that Peter Ducey. So that's uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki lauding uh, Joe Biden's efforts in Afghanistan. A record 331 million Americans have not been abandoned in Afghanistan. Lou, the B or not the B? That's the B. All right. <laughs> and uh, Brandon? It's got to be the B. It's got to be the B, a satirical story. And Jacob? It's the B. It is the B. All right. Congratulations, Lou. You're the winner once again with four. Brandon with three and Jacob with three. Okay. So Brandon and Jacob. You're yep, catching up. That's right. it. German word of the day. Let's go. You got He's so bossy on a Friday. All right. Here we go, Jacob. Okay, the German word of the day is Der Drohtesel. Der Drohtesel. Der Drohtesel. I'm loving it. I'm loving right. your diction. It's excellent. All right. It's uh, the, the, the literal translation is wire donkey. Wire donkey. So um, draht means wire and diesel uh, means donkey. Doesn't really help you understand what that means, but it's a, it's a bicycle, a rusty bike, actually. You're talking about an old rusty bike that looks like it's going to completely fall apart. So a der drothesel is a wire donkey or a rusty bicycle. Well, you could almost say it's uh, the icebreakers that we're trying to fix here in Canada. <laughs> yes, or our submarine fleet. <laughs> Germans have a word for everything. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you all for playing the B, not the B, Lou. Uh, and uh, you have a great long holiday weekend. You too. And uh, see you next week. Happy capitalism. All right. Happy capitalism. Gas prices expected to reach a record high this weekend. Dan McTeague, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, is next. Welcome back to The Richard Serra Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. In the wake of Hurricane Ida, there's been some damage to the Port Fourchon uh, in Louisiana and uh, Shell Oil reporting damage to their facility in the Gulf of Mexico. How will this affect the cost of oil, diesel and gasoline? And uh, here with more is the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, our good buddy, Dan McTeague. Dan, how are you? Richard, great to be here, uh, especially as we're heading to this wonderful long weekend. Right. And right on cue, I guess, gasoline prices set to rise. Um, but now maybe they have an actual excuse, right? <laughs> well, they did drop today. So two cents a liter, buck 40.9 yesterday, down to $1.38.9 here in the GTA, uh, but heading right back up two cents a liter tomorrow. So look, best day to buy is today. Um, Sunday, you might actually see it go right back down. There's a real tug of war going on right now. Uh, but suffice it to say that uh, the good days of under a dollar thirty a liter are over, and more likely we'll hit a buck fifty before we ever get back to a buck thirty. A dollar fifty, and when do you think that's a set to rise or uh, set to happen? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Uh, signs of it may start as early as next week uh, if. Uh, Louisiana uh, oil production doesn't get back on track. Um, 
uh, and of course refineries there, some of which have come back online. But the big picture here is uh, the fact that the world is not supplying enough oil and the demand is clearly outstripping supply. Like it or not, it doesn't matter what OPEC is doing, doesn't matter how much oil we think we have here. What we had as an oil industry prior to COVID and what we have now are two very different things, much of it due to the fact that years of fighting the oil industry, uh, success in deinvesting means that uh, there aren't enough producers around and we're going to swallow a very, very bitter and very expensive pill uh, because of our neglect and our ignorance and our willingness to go along with this nonsense. What about uh, the spot natural gas prices? Uh, double where they were last year. Yeah, uh, incredible. I mean, I looked at that earlier this morning. I'm trying to figure out the last time they were at for this time of year, August, which, you know, you use natural gas, but not as much as you do in the heating season. 220 last year, now we're 470. Uh, that is a doubling of the price any way you want to slice it. And we're only in August. Um, that means we could be six or seven dollars. Uh, per thousand MBTUs, that's the way they, uh, and, and that's in U.S. dollars. Remember, we have a weak Canadian dollar, mostly for the aforementioned reasons. We've we've crapped on the oil and, and natural gas sectors. We can't sell enough. We're blocking pipelines, and as a result, our currency is taking a beating. There are other reasons, of course, but this just makes it, you know, the matter all that much worse. And of course, uh, as we head towards the winter months, uh, much more expensive uh, for everything: electricity, natural gas, diesel cost of transportation, uh, you know, where does it end? And and no politician, this is what is so f- infuriating. I'd be knocking on doors and, you know, in the 19 or 20 times I've done this since 1978, it would come up at the door. It is coming up at the door, but these buffoons don't want to talk about it. They just want to talk about all sorts of wonderful, you know, crazy ways to spend people's money. The reality is that the country's going broke very quickly, not just the national finances, but personal finances are at risk. Right. And in the uh, the debate last night, it seemed like the NDP and the Liberals were in competition to st- sort of a race to the bottom to see who could end El- and the bloc, uh, who could ra- uh, end Alberta's uh, energy industry the soonest. <laughs> so, listen, what hospital uh, do you want to shut down? What uh, social program, what safety net do you want to shut down? Because people are smoking some very serious doobage. And I'm using an example. If they think that this money that it supports our, our social programs is grown off trees, our number one economic generator is the oil and gas sector. It's not the manufacturing sector. It's important. It's not the mining sector. It's not the farming sector. It's certainly not the electronic sector. It is, in fact, the oil and gas sector. And if you think you can walk away from $30 billion that goes to the federal provincial municipal governments every year in net uh, returns and economic activity uh, and, and finances to the governments of this country, we're dreaming technicolor. And of course, we're whistling past our own economic graves. This is a serious matter, and it's going to get a whole hell of a lot worse because no one is talking about the proverbial elephant in the room. That's affordability being undermined by woke green policies. Right. And, and as you mentioned, you know, this winter and if I, I don't know what uh, the Farmer's Almanac has in store, but if we have a severe winter or even just a typical winter, it's Canada, after all, uh, with the price of natural gas, people are really going to start to feel it in the wallet. I mean, I, dare I say there may be people who are forced to choose again between, you know, keeping your house at a comfortable level, a livable uh, uh, temperature um, versus putting food on the table. It's, it's serious and it's taxed. That's what makes this all the much more insidious for a government to tax something you need uh, that you need to get by on. I can't think of, you know, the certainly the so-called progressives and lefties coming out and saying they're, they care about, uh, you know, ensuring that people have enough money to get by. But they're the first ones to belly up and to hammer people with taxes, especially during a pandemic. 
Now, did I hear anybody from the NDP or the Greens or the Liberals uh, or the Bloc can, you know, uh, say anything about raising carbon taxes not once but twice in the biggest economic uh, downturn we've seen since the 1930s? Not a peep. Uh, so, folks, I mean, we have got to really wake up in this country because our ignorance is uh, is, is leading us to a point, a tipping point, I think, economically, not just for the finances of the country. But as I mentioned earlier, our own personal finances are in serious trouble. And don't take my word for it. Bankruptcy trustees, MNP, has said very clearly the number of people who are $200 away from insolvency uh, at the end of every paycheck is uh, is has gone from 45 to 54%. That should be a fire bell in the night that goes off in the minds of people. But hey, blissful ignorance, that's great. Folks, you have a choice to make and you ask tough questions for your candidates. If they don't want to answer them, vote for a party that might or vote for a candidate that might vote independent, vote whoever you have to vote for. But don't take it lying down because after all, what they're trying to give us here, Richard, is a bitter pill that we cannot possibly swallow. And we shouldn't. This is a country based on affordability, based on our resources. We should be cherishing them, not dumping on them. Dan McTeague, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Dan, always a pleasure. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having me again. Enjoy the weekend, Richard. You too. And we can uh, follow Dan on Twitter at Gas Price Wizard, at Gas Price Wizard. All right. When we come back in defense of shale oil and fracking and how bringing manufacturing back to North America from overseas is good for the environment. That conversation starts in three minutes. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Hey, welcome back. So we Canadians and our cousins, our southern neighbors in the United States, we have a lot in common. One of the things that we have in common is we both have leaders, Prime Minister Trudeau, President Joe Biden, that seem intent on destroying the oil and gas sector in our respective countries. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Countries. Uh, witness uh, President Biden after canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, which would have taken uh, uh, crude oil from Alberta down into the United States. He now goes to OPEC cap in hand, begging them to up their oil production in order to lower the price of gasoline. Uh, we're going to discuss that and uh, other things with Greg Cozera. He's director of marketing and sales for Shale Crescent USA. Greg, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Richard. Good to be with you. Likewise. So the Shale Crescent, uh, this is like northern West Virginia, southeast Ohio, southwestern Pennsylvania. Um, talk to me about uh, the, the Shale uh, Crescent and, and uh, the, the, the abundance of natural gas that you have there. 
to give you, and, and we define Shell Crescent as actually the whole three states, Ohio, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. And we're an economic development and marketing organization. We do a lot of research, but our mission is to bring jobs back into that region, which is the old Rust Belt. So we're trying to create, we're a nonprofit, so that's really our mission. But to give you an idea, Richard, how much gas that region of the country has, if those three states were a country, it would be the number three natural gas producer in the entire world. The only places that produce more natural gas than the Shell Crescent, those three states, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, are the rest of the U.S. without those three states, Russia is number two, then Shell Crescent, and then everybody else, Qatar, Iran, uh, China's, matter of fact, that little region, why it's such a big deal today, produces twice as much gas as the entire nation of China. So you can get some idea of how how big that gas in, uh, gas volume is. And the other thing that's real important for your listeners to know is that 85% of the new natural gas that the United States has developed has been in that region. It hasn't been in Texas, and it hasn't been out up in the Dakotas. It's been in West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, just, just south of you guys there in Ontario. Right. Right. So that that area, uh, which is now you know referred to as the Rust Belt, it, it was boom times there when oil and gas were first discovered there. But then the easy, to, the, the the low hanging fruit, oil and gas, uh, disappeared. So out went the jobs, out went the industry. But now through things like fracking, you're able to uh, to get that natural gas and oil, uh, and so it should be by all accounts. It should be boomtown again, boom times again in what was once uh, or what is referred to as the Rust Belt. So uh, what's preventing the industry from coming back uh, to uh, to the shale crescent? You know, the biggest challenge, that's why we exist. Uh, our, we were formed by a group of community and business leaders, Richard, because the rest of the world didn't grasp it. Even in the United States, people didn't understand where the gas was coming from. We were in Tokyo about three years ago, and I did a, a presentation downtown at the Sumitomo building. It's packed. Their whole pet, Japanese Petrochemical Association was there. And when I made the two statements I made to your listeners just now, they were writing like crazy, and they thought all the gas, they told us afterwards, we thought all the gas is in Texas. So a lot of it has been marketing, letting the world know, and we're finally beginning to see we've got Shell uh, opening their first cracker here in probably the next few months. We're starting to see that petrochemical growth, but it's it's been slow because it, you know a cracker is not something you develop overnight. I mean, we're seeing, matter of fact, you're uh, at Sarnia, we're, we're seeing more expansion up there because that can happen quicker than building a new cracker. All right, we'll talk about uh, crackers and and uh, and fracking and and uh, the shale industry. Greg Cosera, director of marketing sales for Shale Crescent USA, back with more of our conversation right after these. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show News Talk Saga nine sixty a.m. Welcome back. Greg Cozera stays with us, Director of Marketing and Sales for Shale Crescent USA, shalecrescentusa.com, the website. You mentioned uh, these cracker plants. This is where they, I guess, they take the ethane from, separated from the natural gas, and then they they, uh, they create these the building blocks for plastics, right? So we have, um, you know, plastics have a bad rap now because of, uh, you know, some of these radical environmentalists. Plastic is bad. Plastic is bad, we're told. Uh, fracking, of course, has a, has a bad reputation um is this a tough sell now given the climate in the united states here in canada as well 
It's a challenge. And, and really, Richard, you made some really great points because it's an educational problem because, you know, we, the pandemic in particular drove the point home that plastics are essential. You know, gowns, gloves, masks, mm. ventilate, all that medical equipment, that's all plastic based. You know, you can walk around your house and you can't help but run into plastic. My wife's got a knee replacement and that joint is plastic. I mean, it's really important. So it's it's sad that we've gotten to that point because, you know, the rest of the story is because of you mentioned those building blocks. And that's what everybody doesn't grasp. I mean, they want to keep fossil fuels in the ground and we've already in the states we've shut down a lot of coal plants while china is building 184 new coal plants and around the world the number i've gotten to think india was building like 52 so we've got over 300 coal plants under construction around the world i don't know about canada we don't have any get being built in the states but the, the 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 part that's really amazing is what they don't grasp is Windmills and solar panels are all fracking products. And electric cars are a fracking product. It's 70% or more plastic because it has to be lightweight. So you can't have electric cars. You can't have windmills or solar panels without hydraulic fracturing and oil and gas. And what you mentioned, those, those we call them crackers that will take that natural gas and drink it into ethane, propane, butane, those, those, those components that, that we use to make matter of fact, the cell phone case, you know, just, you know, looking around the office and really without, can you imagine what the pandemic would be like without fossil fuels and plastic? Because we'd be back, we'd look like the, the, eight, the 1920s with, exactly. with, with you know, no medical equipment, no machines, no nothing. I think part of the problem with plastic is people confuse pollution with litter. And no one wants to see plastic bottles or straws strewn all over the ground. But that's litter. It, plastic is inert. It's not toxic pollution. It's litter. It's unsightly, but that's an easy fix, right? You pick it up. That's all. But um, uh, talk to me about fracking because that's gotten uh, a, a bad rap as well. Give me the sort of the elevator pitch in support of fracking. Well, really, you can every uh, and I came up through the oil and gas industry. I, I work for myself now and for Shell Crescent. But hydraulic fracturing has been around since 1947, over 75 years. Over 3 million wells have been hydraulically fractured. And they're still looking for that one well that's contaminated groundwater. And there's technical reasons why you can't contaminate groundwater with hydraulic fracturing. But the, the point is, Every well requires hydraulic fracturing. Russia fracks, Saudi Arabia fracks, Qatar fracks. We've been fracking, like I said, 75 years. So it's really, it's like putting tires on your car. It'd be like buying your car and not getting tires. So it's really, a and I, I you know, what's amazing is, and, and this is really a good message, I think, for everyone, is as an engineer, when they started talking about fracking 10 years ago, and it was only after oil and gas became a threat to the push to renewables because I worked for Halliburton for 34 years and nobody even knew what Halliburton was until Dick Cheney showed up on the scene. Right. But, you know, so really the, the public didn't grasp what it was and what happened, the industry was really slow to react because there were people throwing all these lies and half truths out there about fracking. And I, I even laughed at it. I said, nobody's going to believe this stuff. Well, yeah, they do. <laughs> 
And what should have happened, the industry should have come out right away and said, that's wrong. Here's why. And you know, once you get something into someone's head, it's really hard to get it out. So that's been the challenge. And I think, uh, you know, today we know that you can hydraulic fracturing is a safe process. It's been around for a long time. And it's uh, certainly because of hydraulic fracturing. That's the reason why. You know, we can produce as a planet, we're producing over 11 million barrels of oil a day. So you can't do that without hydraulic fracturing. And to your point, oil and gas, are, it's it's not the fuel value. It's that, that feedstock. It's the building blocks, as you mentioned, for everything we do. And you look at all the products that we use today. You know, our high school soccer coach, the soccer ball is plastic. Our uniforms are made with petrochemicals <laughs> their cleats they're not leather anymore they're 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 petrochemical based and i think that's the important thing that everybody needs to know but, but here's the really cool thing richard that most people hadn't thought about and he, we at shell crescent kind of stumbled into this last year when we started talking about the importance of oil and gas and, and manufacturing in the states just like canada has the same capabilities that the u.s has but today the u.s alone is getting $500 billion every year in imports from just China, just China, one country. Can you imagine what that means from an environmental standpoint? That's, that's coming across here from they're using oil that's in Iran, shipped 7,000 miles to Canada, or to, to China. Then they turn it into a product. Then they ship it another 15,000 miles to get to the eastern U.S., and those ships that they ship it on are using bunker fuel. Matter of fact, if you if you looked at it as a country, oil used in shipping across our oceans is the number five, number six polluter with, with CO2. So at the end of the day, here's how we clean up the planet. We make things local. You can make them in Ontario. We can make them in the Shell Crescent because that's where the population is. Exactly. So, Sorry, uh, Greg, I got to jump in here. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and discuss further. Let's still talk about supply chains. Absolutely. Greg Cozera, Director of Marketing and Sales for Shale Crescent USA, shalecrescentusa.com. Back with more in a moment. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. We're back. A few minutes remain with Greg Cozera, Director of Marketing and Sales for Shale Crescent USA, shalecrescentusa.com. Greg, you made a, an amazing point earlier about you know supply chains and how something like nine out of every 10 items that we buy uh, is shipped from halfway around the world on these huge container ships. And just one of those ships, these things are like, what, six football fields long. One of those uh, produces the same amount of pollution uh, as 50 million cars. So if you take just 15, 15 of these mega ships, they match uh, the emissions from all of the cars in the world. There, as you say, problem solved. You bring all the manufacturing home, you know, 3D printers, cracker plants to produce the plastic. We've got everything we need. And uh, it's just a win win all the way around. Oh, Richard, you are absolutely spot on. And, and I think that's the part that if we want to solve the, and it's not just those those container ships, it's not just CO2. It's SO, uh, the SOXs and the NOx. Those are really nasty. You know, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I, I'm, I'm used to those things back in the day. But think about it. Our countries have a very unique advantage right now. Canada, with particularly with Ontario, you've got your petrochemical complex, but this is the only place on planet Earth. And if it wasn't for the international border, 
we'd have probably when we did we branded those states as Shell Crescent, we'd have probably branded Ontario as part of it because it really is. It's all part of the same. Yeah, it's an extension of the Ohio Valley for sure. You really are, and and a matter of fact, a lot of the feedstock that that's going into Sarnia, matter of fact, I know exactly how much is actually coming from the Ohio Valley on a pipeline to feed those crackers. But this is the only place in the world that we know of where a company can build on top of their energy because you have a lot of natural gas up there and in the middle of their their energy and feedstock and in the middle of their customers because the largest economy in the world is eastern canada and eastern u.s and when you put that over half the population of those two countries is concentrated here so imagine the feedstocks here the energies here now we bring back the processors that are overseas, and a lot of those are American companies that should be here already, and begin to make our tennis shoes here. Uh, you can imagine medical equipment, all those, uh, you know, PPE, start making those things here, and where are we going to ship them to? Well, we're going to ship them to Detroit or, or or Montreal or Toronto or right right there or you know Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and everything's so close. And here's the difference we looked at today of that 500 billion that we're getting from China is about a 21 or 22 thousand mile shipping footprint alone. If you did it here in the Shell Crescent, whether it's on in Ontario or in in Pittsburgh, you're talking about a max of probably about a thousand miles. Can you imagine what that means for the planet when you start reducing that much CO2 and not just CO2, the other emissions? So to your point, the fix for this whole climate business is and in China can do the same thing. Make it over in China, ship it and sell it in China. It's beautiful. Shorten the supply chains, get rid of the the, the whole carbon from that end of it. And now think about the jobs because these jobs aren't, you know, big box store type jobs. These are high tech jobs. These are jobs that students on both sides of the border with a two year degree, my students, I'm a, a adjunct at a community college start at 60 grand. They got about 15,000. If they don't get a loan or a, a scholarship, they got about a $15,000 debt versus $150,000 debt at a four-year college. So these are great jobs. And these aren't, you know, your grandfather's manufacturing jobs. I was I toured a plant yesterday in Ohio. It's air conditioned. They're working machinery. I mean, we're not talking about sweatshops anymore. And, you know, there's no pollution. You go outside the plant, it's, it's, it's clean air. You what do our countries have? And can you imagine the tax revenues they'll generate? Absolutely. Well, what we lack here, obviously, is leadership. We have in this country a prime minister who is, I believe, compromised, uh, beholden. He, he has this admiration for the Chinese dictatorship. Uh, they push us around. They do nothing. They seem beholden to them. Um, I'm not sure how you feel to the extent that that's going on with your president, uh, your president as well, and perhaps his son, Hunter. Uh, and it seems as if there is this deliberate attempt on, on both our leaders to like this demand destruction of our economy. Uh, I mean, how do we get out of this mess? You know, the best thing I can I can think that we can do is individuals and as as your, your listeners the one thing we can do right today is if you're in canada buy canadian if you're in america buy from the u.s or even if i'm in the u.s buy from canada it's in the same it's we're in the same we're cousins we're cousins 
Yeah. So can you imagine what that's a control that I have myself when we go to the grocery store, the big box store, a lot of the products are there and we can go back to the to the management of those facilities and demand that we want stuff made here because we have that capability now. And here's the beauty of it. If you make it here, our labor is now on a par with China. We have the energy advantage. We have the location advantage. You can actually make it cheaper here. We can compete with China in Canada and here in the States and win. And our, our people can buy products cheaper and better made. And if we, God forbid, have another COVID or any other, Lord knows what'll come next, to be able to know that we don't have to wait on a plane from China with personal protective equipment for our frontline healthcare workers or for our grandparents that are needing ventilators. We, we ought to be, there's no reason, that's poor leadership for us not to be demanding that that stuff be made here now, Richard. Absolutely. This is a kind of great reset I can get behind. Never mind what Klaus Schwab is peddling. This is the great reset we need is to bring manufacturing jobs back to North America. We have access to uh, to clean, uh, cheap energy. Everything we have is right here. Uh, Greg, so great to uh, to meet you and speak with you again. It's uh, shalecrescentusa.com, shalecrescentusa.com. Thank you so much for your time. I hope we can talk again. Please, thanks for all you doing. And this isn't a liberal conservative thing. This is something that every Canadian and every American should be able to get behind. Hundred percent. Way to end violence in our cities. Good stuff. Hundred percent. Appreciate my it. pleasure. Thank you, Greg Cazera. And now your Lim Riddler answer and this week's winners. All right, uh, here is the uh, Lim Riddle for this week. Let me just repeat the clues. Vast open land of the clover and oak, statehood that passionate patriots stoke, home of smoked ham and Ma's homemade jam, born of the blues, blending old time with folk. And the answer is country, country, fast open land of the clover and oak. There's a lot of open land out in the country or countryside. Statehood that passionate patriots stoke. Well, a country is a nation or state with its own government. Patriots show devotion and vigorous support for their country. Home of smoked ham and Ma's homemade jam. Country cooking and fixings just wouldn't be the same with Ma's without Ma's good old smoked ham and homemade jam. Born of the blues, blending old time with folk. Well, country music, also called country and Western. It's a genre of popular music that grew out of the blues, old time music and American folk. So again, the answer is country in our winners, Dave Webster of Lansdowne, Ontario, Linda Pasek uh, from Woodbridge, Ontario, Tom Dibble, Lake of Bays, Ontario, Rob McDonald, Muldrew Lake, Ontario, and Astrid Lacatz from Milton, Ontario. Congrats all. And just incidentally, as we roll into the fall, we're going to start giving out uh, tickets to the Mississauga Steelheads for our winners. We'll uh, make it an announcement when that's going to happen. Be sure to be listening next Friday for your Limb Riddles clue. Go to limbriddles.com and uh, you can register there 
and get the clues delivered right to your email inbox. And of course, we uh, we welcome the Lim Riddler every Friday just before the news at five. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Jacob, and Brandon. I'm off Monday for Labor Day. Uh, instead, we'll be offering you a special best of the Richard Serrett Show presentation. And of course, I'll be back Tuesday with a brand new show, God willing. The Brian Crombie Hour is next. I'll speak with you Tuesday at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.